I have a message today that I want you all to hear, and it's simply this. Don't quit now. Don't quit now. I found an interesting article that I wanted to read some excerpts from, and I just couldn't figure out which parts I wanted to read, so I'm going to read the whole thing. It's a couple of pages long, which explains my the length of my notes. This is an article that was written in April of this year by Christy Northrup, who is executive pastor and worship leader at Saints Community Church in New Orleans. Her and her husband are, 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 are pastors there. The article is entitled, Why People Walk Away from Church. Four reasons some people are leaving. Here's the article. Several years ago, I heard a, I heard a statistic on, a radio, on the radio about the growing share of Americans who no longer identified as Christian. As I turned off the broadcast, I began to think of people I knew who had left the faith. I have a passion for reaching the lost, but that day I also sensed God's heart for those who have known Him but walked away. It changed my understanding of our God-given mission. I believe at this moment we are witnessing a great falling away. From 2019, from, 20, from 2009 to 19, the share of Americans identifying as Christians fell 12 percentage points from 77 to 65% according to Pew Research Center. The pandemic may accelerate the decline. There are people of all ages and walks of life who used to be active in the life of the church. They attended faithfully, participated in ministries, and gave consistently. After the pandemic-related shutdowns happened, some of them were never heard from again. Others initially watched online, but eventually withdrew and have not resurfaced. How do we reconnect with these people? We can begin by understanding some of the reasons why people walk away. I've been pondering the parables of Jesus in Luke 15 that tell us, tell of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. As I consider Jesus' compassion for the lost, I'm also wondering why people become lost, drawing on the imagery of those parables, I'd like to suggest four reasons many today are falling away. Number one, wandering or wandering. In recent months, some people have simply wandered off. They got out of the habit of participating in church. They disconnected from a small group to manage online schooling, or they had underlying conditions that were understand that they were understandably nervous about leaving home. Sadly, as people disconnected from the body of Christ, some eventually disconnected from their own faith. Sheep move in flocks. They have few defenses, but they gain some protection by staying together. A sheep that wanders off is especially vulnerable to predators. I vacillate right now between wanting to reach one more uh, reaching out one more time and simply moving on, but then I think of a shepherd leaving the 99 safe with the other watchmen to seek out the one lost sheep. I know the heart of the great shepherd is to pull people back into the protection and provision of the fold. Let us not hold so tightly to our way of religious life that we push away the very ones we set out to reach. Number two, broken relationships. A dispute, a dispute or offense can destroy relationships, whether it's an argument between two members, a disagreement with church leaders, a marital conflict, or some other rift. A sense of loss can be devastating. 
The lost coin may have been part of an adornment worn by the woman to show she was married. If so, it would have held significant sentimental value. Losing one coin would have changed the entire piece and rendered it broken. Recently, my husband Wayne and I had a conflict with some individuals who held key leadership roles in our church. While there was hurt on both sides, Wayne felt like felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to reach out and apologize. A healing conversation followed and the lines of communication reopened. Taking responsibility for our part in causing hurt goes a long way toward restoring relationships. Number three, self-centered worldview. There are so many issues with the prodigal son, but at the core, he was selfish. The prodigal's rebellion and the consequences of sin were rooted in the desire to advance his own interests above others, above all others. A pastor in the church I grew up with in said often this, the opposite of love isn't hate, it's selfishness. The humanistic message of looking out for number one has deeply infiltrated not only the culture, but also the church. It has made it difficult to compel people to give, serve, or do anything that is uncomfortable or inconvenient. COVID has brought this to, a, to the surface. We have been astounded at the self-centered, unbiblical words and behaviors on display among many Christians during this crisis. As a staff, we are more determined than ever to present the true gospel, sound doctrine, teaching, and model sacrificial love for God and others. Number four, a hostile environment. I suspect the condescending attitude of the older brother contributed to the prodigal's decision to leave home. We can't talk about why people are not returning without acknowledging the impact of the current political climate. Responses to the pandemic, racial tensions, and the 2020 election have highlighted deep divides. Meanwhile, COVID provided cover for some people to slip away, leaving the church to the older brother. Jesus' harshest words were to the religious leaders of his day, those who were more concerned about maintaining their position than reaching out to the lost or wayward. Our mission is not to preserve our rights or demand recognition for our sacrifices. It is to let our testimony shine before others that they may see our good deeds and ultimately glorify our Father in heaven. Let us not hold so tightly to the way of religious life that we push away the very ones we set out to reach. Instead of condemning those who walk away, these parables challenge us to seek them out and celebrate their return, restoring them to the family, whether people have drifted away, left over broken relationships, or been driven by selfish motives or frustrations over toxic church culture. Let's demonstrate Christ's love and run to meet them. When I read this article, I was really saddened because I know that there are people who have withdrawn from the church family and from the critical godly support system that the church family provides. This is one way that the devil will use to separate you from your closeness to him. Maybe you know someone who has withdrawn in their walk with God, or possibly it's you. Maybe you've withdrawn just a little bit. If you think back in your lifetime of walking with God, 
And you think to the time that you were closer to Him than ever before is that time now. And if it's not now, why isn't it now? I want to challenge you to get back to whatever it was that caused you to have that first Uh, that first and closest impression of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and go back to that place where you were the closest that you've ever been. I just want to remind you today that you must not ever, ever, ever quit or give up. Don't quit now. You can ask anyone who attends Greater Heights about the three things that I have consistently talked about year after year and time after time, the three things that will make you the strongest in your faith, and that's number one, pray. Mm -hmm. Number two, read your Bible. And number three, attend church. And you do all three of those as often as you can. When you do all three of those, then you will remain strong in your faith. I want us to look at Galatians chapter 6 this morning. Galatians 6 verse 7 says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The word mock means to treat with contempt or disrespect or despise. No one plants a seed and expects something different than what was planted to spring forth from the ground. I mean, you can go to the store and you can buy bird seed, but you're not going to get a bird. Uh, I just threw that in. You can't plant Cheerios and expect donuts to grow, okay? It won't work that way. It'd be great, but it just won't happen. Uh, But if you plant a seed, something like what you planted is going to come up pretty close to identical what you planted. In the natural, the seed that is planted is what kind of a plant that will come up and it will yield more of the same. In the same spiritual sense, what we plant spiritually is, what, is what's going to come up. Some of you think that, well, I don't plant anything, but every day of your life, you plant spiritual seeds. Every day of my life, I plant spiritual seeds. Amen. In the New Century Version, it says, Do not be fooled, you cannot cheat God. People harvest only what they plant. Pastor, I've never cheated God. What kind of seeds are you planting? I want to ask you, what kind of seeds are you planting? There are two types of spiritual seeds that we plant. We plant either seeds to please our flesh or seeds to please our spirit. If we plant seeds to... um, Let me read verse 8. Getting ahead of myself. Whoever sows seeds to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Those who claim to be born again, Spirit-filled believers of Christ, while at the same time consciously sowing seeds to please the sinful nature, are guilty of mocking or despising or, yes, even cheating God. If we're doing those kinds of things, they will reap destruction. There are some people that, that, and even unfortunately, even Christian people, that they allow the flesh to come out a little more than probably it should. And I, I know we're all human. We, we have moments where we can, you know, we're not perfect. And sometimes there may be something that comes out. I mean, it happens to all of us. I mean, has it ever happened to you? Something comes out and you think, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that. I probably shouldn't have done that. Sure. It all happens. But when we get to the place of saying, well, 
you know, I probably shouldn't have done that, but I'm sure glad I did. Uh, that takes it really to a different level. It takes it to a different level. Well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Please don't. And if you do, please don't tell them that you're a member or you attend this church or you know any of us. Because, you know, we, 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 we'd rather not be... not Well, because we are representatives. Of, now, if you don't live for God, then, you know... People can expect whatever. But when you are a representative of Jesus Christ, when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there should be a higher expectation to what comes out of your spirit. And what comes out of your spirit is what the spiritual seeds that are sown into your life. We are responsible for the soil and cultivating the soil and making sure that the right seeds are planted in the soil that we have. Whatever you put into your spirit is what's going to come out. And it's going to be a witness to whoever is around, good or bad. Whether the seeds are good or bad, they're going to be a witness and a testimony to the people around you. So this means as a follower of Christ, we do our best to follow the whole Word of God, to follow our lives, com- to, to live our lives completely, to please Him in everything that we do. How do we do that? Number one, you pray. You attend church. You read your Bible. You do those three things as often as you can. If you're not reading your Bible, if you're not praying, and if you're not attending church on a regular basis, then you are not getting all of the spiritual seeds planted that you need to plant for the kingdom of God and you're planting seeds of the flesh into your because what you consume is what's going to grow in your heart and in your life. That's why parents care about the influences around their children. Amen. How many know that as a parent, uh, maybe you can, if you have children, you know this, or if you can remember when you were a child, you remember this, that there were certain people that you might not want your kids to hang around or you didn't want them to hang around that, that particular group because what you are around is what you'll be like. Now, one guy jokingly said, well, that's not true because when I was 13, if, if what, I was around, what, what my mind was on all the time I'd have been like, he said, I would have been a 13-year-old girl uh, because that's what his mind was on all the time. Just jokingly. Uh, but... You know, but what your mind is on is what you become. So what you feed your mind and what you feed your spirit, what seeds you plant in your spirit is what's going to take effect. As life's cares, worries, and heartache can weigh you down, you need the freedom that only comes from complete surrender to Jesus and the freedom that only He brings. The freedom is reinforced in your mind every time you pray, when you internalize His Word. And yes, as both closeness through prayer and the Word work inside you, when you come to gather with God's people, you are encouraged by the family of God. That's what we're here for. It's not just a a, a place where you hang out and just share niceties and, and nice little you know how are you and it's good to do that but when you're in trouble when you're struggling when you're going through some rough stuff there's a place where you know that you can go that is solid and they are founded on the word of God and because we've been praying and we've been reading the word of God we can come together and say I know that you're going through something let's work through this together let's get in the Bible let's get on our faces before God because we know somebody who has the answer to what you're going through Don't quit now. 
As we, res as we resolve that we will make sure our faith and walk with God is strong, then we can fulfill the primary mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is this in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If we're tied up in our own, in our own um, difficult situations all the time, we will never be able to focus on what the primary mission that He has called us, which is to seek and to save the lost. As we turn our focus to helping others to be set free by the power of God, the devil is going to do, try to do everything in his power to prevent you from doing anything for the kingdom of God. Uh, you guys trying to go to you're going to go to Israel. The devil's going to put every roadblock. You've probably already seen it because hell is falling all over itself, trying to just stop you in every way, in every possible thing, trying to pull levers and switches and and, and use people that are just out of left field saying that no, you can't go. But greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Amen. The devil will try to stop you. From any action. You may even grow tired and you may grow weary of reaching out. You may get to the place and thinking, how much longer will he? No, my grandma says, I wish the devil would just take a vacation. But he doesn't because he'll give up for a little bit when he sees that he's defeated. But he'll always come back. It's like he didn't learn his lesson. He just always comes back. And he wants to see, well, maybe I'll take another crack at it. And you're going to, when you recognize that, you say, I I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to, to give you any place. Sometimes we may wonder if it's any use because we've been plugging away. We've been plugging away. We've been plugging away. Fifteen years is a long time to pastor a church. I found this out whenever I was in Bible school and they said, you know, a lot of times pastors stay three years and that's about it because after, after the second year, they start encountering struggles and then the third year, they, they, they just, you know, it's really difficult and it's just, and before we came to the church, the pastor had only been here less than a year and we came to a place of a lot of hurt and broken people. And God has been good and he's been gracious. Amen. And there are things that through the years I have seen. And I've thought, you know, in my own mind, I thought, you know, I wish I could see this in a certain way. I wish I could see this progress in a certain way. But the way he sees things, he sees things, and the way I see things sometimes are different. Mm -hmm. And when I look at this, he looks at something else and he says, you know, that might be okay, but let me show you what I want to do. And he does some underlying stuff that is far more powerful than anything I could think of. And he'll do the same thing in each one of your lives as well. As you work for the kingdom of God. How many know we're here to work for Jesus? We're here to do all we can for Jesus. He will show that even when you get weary and you get tired and sometimes you just don't know, can I go on another day? Yes, you can go on another day. Especially if you don't see the results that you feel like you need to see. Lord, I've been praying for this for so long. Keep praying. Don't give up. We are not responsible for the results. Only to follow Jesus and plant the seeds that He's given us to plant. Amen. 
We're not responsible for the results. You know, as a young preacher, I started out and we, I, I grew up in a church and had churches that were really loud, demonstrative, people worshipped God, people shouted in the aisles, people were, were just, uh, just really boisterous in their worship and they weren't bashful. Church was never a quiet place growing up. And after Annette and I got married, we, uh, we joined Faith Assembly of God. And the church was quiet. The pastor preached, I mean, full on like a house on fire, but nobody said amen. Nobody did. I mean, it was a quiet place. I wasn't ever used to that. And it troubled me. But what really, it made me see things in a different perspective. There were the gifts of the Holy Spirit that were in operation in this church. And there were times and I could, there was a, 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 a man who was about 90 years old. And I saw him, experienced him giving out a message in tongues. And there was interpretation. And I would feel the power of the Holy Spirit just come over me in that quietness. And God taught me a lot at Faith Assembly. I was allowed to preach some on Wednesday nights, so every three or four months I might preach on a Wednesday night there. Before This was before I had credentials. And I was used to preaching. Before then, I would preach, and people would say, Amen, and they, and they would nod their heads, and I would, I would preach at Faith Assembly, and I would stand there, and it was like nothing. <laughs> Quiet. And I would look out at this congregation of people, probably, I don't know, 50, 60 people there at least on a Wednesday night. And I'm, I'm looking out at this congregation of people and, and, and I didn't know if it was resonating. I didn't see any light bulbs go off. I didn't see any affirmatives. I didn't see any negatives. I just, and it began to bother me. And I thought, did I miss it, Lord? Am I, am I, am I saying what I'm supposed to say? I'm like, I'm like is, is this all wrong or whatever? But the Lord taught me a valuable lesson. He taught me a valuable lesson that my responsibility is not there. My responsibility is here. And I'm responsible to do what He's called me to do and to put it out. And then He's responsible for the other side and what happens on the other end. We're not responsible for what happens after we plant the seeds, but we are responsible to plant the seeds. Amen. Verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There it is, church. Don't quit. Don't give up now. Don't quit now. There is a harvest that's coming. In our life of following Christ, when we plant seeds to please the Spirit, we will do as Jesus did, described by Peter in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Him. We will do those same things because there are people who are oppressed by the power of the devil, but we have the seeds of freedom through Jesus Christ that we can plant in the soil if we're willing to plant them. The reason that we must not give up is because because the seed that we plant will lead to a harvest unto eternal life. The enemy of your soul, the devil, will try to convince you that it's okay to plant seeds to maybe satisfy a few selfish desires. 
Anything He can do to distract you from the harvest of eternal life. He only wants to bring a harvest of destruction to you and to your work or the ministry. If you let your guard down for a moment, He will try to come in with greater measure. He'll try to inch His way in. If you give Him an inch, He'll try to take a mile. And when you recognize, okay, maybe I let my guard down for a little, but I'm not going to do it anymore. Don't give up. Don't get weary and tired of what you're doing. When you know that what you're doing is good and right and pleasing to the Lord, it will reap a harvest of eternal life. There is a prize that we can look forward to that that money cannot buy in church. It's not very far away. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have have opportunity to let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers, since we know that we will reap a harvest of eternal life, let it be the reason that we continually look for opportunities to do good to all people, especially the followers of Christ. We must not ever give up. Eternity depends on which seeds that we choose to plant. Don't give up. Don't quit now. Church, we've come too far to turn back now. We must be determined as Paul was in Acts 20 and 24. He says, I don't care about my own life. The most important thing that I, is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell the people the good news about God's grace. Don't quit now, church. We are in a race that we must finish. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, do, not, do you not know that In a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in that way. Focus on the finish line. You don't have to focus on what somebody else is doing. Just focus on the finish line because there is an end of the race. There is a prize. Don't quit now. There is a prize to be won. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, I have fought the good fight. Paul writes, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is laid in, laid up, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing. Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Don't quit now, church. We must complete the ministry and the mission that He has entrusted us with. We must not quit now. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is a Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, here it is, we are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is, who is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 4.1, and I close with this verse, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart, church. When life's problems come, don't lose heart. 
The only surrender that you need to do is not to the enemy or not to the situation, but surrender to God and let Him work in you. Let the complete surrender of yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't lose heart. Don't quit now. We must be determined. Don't quit now. We must finish the race. Don't quit now. We must complete the task, the ministry, the mission field that He's called us to. Don't Quit now. We've come too far to turn back now. There are lives that are hanging in the balance that only you can reach. Don't quit now, church. There's a song that says, I am determined. It says, I am determined to be invincible till he has finished his purpose in me. And nothing shall shake me, for He'll never forsake me. I am determined to live for the King. I want you to look at these verses. It says, darkness around me. Sorrow surrounds me. Though there be trials, still I can sing. For I have this treasure. My God reigns within me. For I am determined to live for the King. Hell's gates are trembling from saints' prayers ascending. Darkness is crumbling from praises we sing. Our sovereign victorious is marching before us. And we are determined to live for the King. And the bridge to this song says, When I am weary, I look to His face. When I am tempted, I trust in His grace. I will trust. And His grace. And the, cor- the chorus again says this. It says, I am determined to be invincible till He has finished His purpose in me. And nothing shall shake me for He'll never forsake me. I am determined to live for the King. Don't quit now, church. We've come so far. Father, I thank You for Your Word today. I thank You for who You are. I thank You that You have called us to the work of the ministry. I thank You, Lord, that we sow seeds. Lord, good seeds. Seeds from the Word. Seeds from our prayer time. Our relationship with You into our spirits. We thank You for that, God. So that we can sow those seeds in other people's lives. Lord, let us not grow weary in our mission journey. But God, let us be determined to live for You. Lord, we don't want to quit now. We've come too far to turn back now. Lord, we refuse to be a statistic. Something that someone reads about as a once follower of Jesus Christ. You've called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. And I thank you for it. All across this building and tuning in.